Hello listeners, and welcome to The Rotating Platform. It's episode number 22, and it's the 25th of August 2015. And I'm here, I'm Mark Green, that's my name, and two more names coming up. One name that belongs to a Matthew Castle. Hello. Oh, this... <laughs> That's, this that's Matthew's name. Yeah, oh, Jesus, Matthew's we name. haven't done a podcast in so long, or indeed <laughs> talked, that we've completely forgotten the principles of both. <laughs> and here's, here's our third name, Alan Madrill. Hello. Uh, yeah, sorry about the uh, a bit of a break there, listeners. Uh, partly because of Gamescom, um, and talking of Gamescom, because mm. me and Matthew were both there at the big uh, German Games Convention, Germany Games Convention in early August. Uh, so, th- hang on, hang on. Gamescom, convention, com community. What? It doesn't oh, yeah, work. I never really thought about that. It doesn't make any. It doesn't oh, yeah. actually make any sense. <laughs> there it uh, is. That's a big old uh, convention. Three hundred thousand people. It's nuts. Uh, and I've got some little recorded, pre-recorded treats coming up for you later. I did. I did f- uh, four little reports from Gamescom that I'm going. We're going to scatter throughout the podcast. Mm. I played all kinds of stuff. Mario Maker, Star Fox. What? That oh, new Assassin's Creed. Mario Tennis. Hang on. I'm sure that one's been out before. <laughs> There's a new one. Hey. Cuphead. I played that Cuphead. Oh, uh, cool. So you can hear all about that, and you can hear me getting increasingly tired uh, <laughs> as time goes on, <laughs> just losing the world to live. Um, oh, I feel I feel bad that I couldn't make time to record some little bits. That's of right. You were, so you were in full-on busy magazine mode, so... Uh, I was there. I had my press hat on. I was asking the. I was asking the tough questions. So was it a lot of interviews, Matthew? Were you playing stuff? Or? Yeah, I, I did a few hands-on. Uh, I did a lot of interviews. Probably, I think I did about fifteen interviews across wow. the Ooh. across a few days. Um, got to meet Hideki Kamiya mm. uh, of Bayonetta Ooh. fame, wow. which was exciting. That's cool. Um, but wow. I met him at the end of like what I think was his last day of previewing, and he seemed very tired. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't the angry man I was expecting from Twitter. No. He was quite a chilled out dude who was just like, "Oh, here's scale bound. <laughs> <laughs> Can I go now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, bless him. Yeah, it's a big, amazing, exhausting show. And yeah, so look out for me talking about that uh, all the way through this podcast. Oh, yeah, just a quick thing. We get quite a lot of spam on our blog that doesn't make it over to the blog. Uh, it all gets caught by the uh, spam filter. But there was one message. You know, sometimes they try and trick you with what, like, genuine compliments about the blog. You know, like, oh, I very much enjoyed this article and I'll be thinking about you. And then for a split second, you're like, oh, I'm going to approve that comment. and put it. But then you realise it's a, it's spam and it links to some... Mm knock off Chinese shoes or something. So I was just really sad when I saw this comment and thought it was real. <laughs> Very few people can say they're impacting as many lives as you are. <laughs> and just for, just for a second. So your first thought was, this is real. <laughs> of course. <Yep. laughs> it was a very sad moment when I realised that that was just someone trying to link to uh, Gucci sweaters or whatever the hell Gucci produce. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. Do they make sense? I don't know. I am. No idea. So if anyone wants to write, it's a genuine message telling <laughs> us how um, we're impacting an enormous number of lives, <laughs> more than anyone else on the earth, uh, that would be really lovely. And on that disappointing note, <laughs> I think we should uh, we move off this platform, off this introductory platform, onto 
ne- another platform, right? Mm. Let's do it. Let's yeah. get on to the next platform. Let's do um, this thing. See you in a bit whoop, whoop. after this. Hello, listeners. It's Mark Green here, coming to you from a very special platform today. It's the Gamescom platform in Cologne, Germany. They've got the whole thing is contained on one platform. Can you believe it? There's going to be 300,000 people here. It's going to be awful. It's going to be, people are going to be pushed off to their death. It's going to be terrible. Uh, but outside of that tragedy, there's going to be some awesome video games. And I'm looking at the, some posters that are up outside while I wait to get in, along with a whole bunch of other people. And yeah, Fallout 4. There is a Fallout 4 poster. It is hard to believe Fallout 4 is a poster when we didn't even know about it a couple of months ago. It's crazy. So yeah, that's really exciting. I hope to get to see and play a bit of Fallout later. Um, what else we got here? Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront. Very exciting. Uh, the Division's here for its 17th consecutive year at Gamescom without actually being released. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Uh, oh, look, there's some giant transformer coming out of a door. That's cool. So yeah, I'm probably going to be saying lots of weird things like that as I report to you from Gamescom uh, over the course of the day. Um, so yeah, I'm going to I'm going to head in now and see if I can find any video games to play. I hope there's some in there. Uh, yeah, so see you in a bit. Hello, listeners. Mark Green here, reporting in from Gamescom. It's all been a bit video presentation so far, but uh, rather than actually pressing the buttons on a video game joypad. But yeah, I've seen some very cool stuff. I went the first thing. I went to see was that uh, Horizon, um, what is it, Zero Dawn? I've done my research on uh, on the old PlayStation. So they, they did pretty much the demo that, that was at E3, but um, you could see it was being played live, and uh, there were there were a few differences in how things went. I, I, I don't think she got whacked by a giant sort of T-Rex, dino T-Rex tail um, at E3. Um, you know, I'm really intrigued by Horizon's, like, Story. Where did those robo dinosaurs come from? Probably humans, hubris, robot apocalypse. Um, but yeah, I'm really intrigued to find out what uh, what's going on um, in, in Horizon's story. That looks really cool. And then I went to see Fallout 4 presentation, um, which I think was some new video that you've probably seen by now, uh, if you're on the internet. But um, yeah, there was a little uh, a black and white news really type footage of. Uh, uh, showing your um, characteristics, and then yeah, they were. Um, um, God, I love vats. You know, vats—the takey, turny, um, shooty thing. It's got all the same noise and everything, and people's heads are exploding like grapes. Um, yeah, so um, it's, it's all Fallout. Um, it, it looks and feels like Fallout, just just as, as you want. I was kind of—I um, thought it was refreshing as well. The guy they chosen to play through the video was as bad as me at video games. So normally, you know, you watch these like uh, demo videos, and they're super super slick, um, and the guy is popping uh, popping people's heads off left and right. This guy was trying to shoot um, feral ghouls in the head and just making a complete uh, uh, mess of it. Um, sort of, get, you know, kept getting hit by people. I was like, yeah, this is good. This is making me feel like I'm, I'm, I'm still, I can still play games. I can, this guy playing a demo on me with equal, equal ability. It's kind of all blue skies as well, this Fallout, which is a real nice, refreshing change from all that uh, sort of gr- green, grey um, skies of uh, Fallout 3. So, um, yeah, it's nice to see a bit of sun and some, some clouds in a Fallout game uh, shining down on... Uh, the misery, endless misery of a post, post-apocalyptic human race. Um, yeah, one of the giant trolls from Shadow of Mordor. 
turned up in the Fallout uh, demo, a little cameo, which was <laughs> which was nice. It's a beer hop, beer moth, beer moth. Um, I guess they must have been in. I, I haven't done my research. I don't know if they're new, but I was like, oh yeah, look, there he is. It's uh, one of those great big trolls. Uh, what didn't happen in Shadow of Mordor is that you fire a, a miniature, sort of fun size nuke at a troll, which is what happens in the uh, Fallout Four. Uh, demo here at Gamescom, so that was a nice touch. Uh, yeah, that guy that went down like a sack of potatoes, thanks to that nuke. A very impressive explosions in uh, this new Fallout. Very meaty, uh, fiery, smoky. Um, it's going to make blowing things up very satisfying. Well, you know, when you find one of the two rockets uh, that you're going to be rushing to uh, for the entire game, <laughs> you can enjoy blowing things up for all of about 40 seconds. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all for it. It, it is. It, it's clearly uh, very much Fallout, but just nicer looking and with more stuff going on. But um, everything looks and feels the same. Um, so yeah, very much looking forward to that. But I want to. I, I want to play some games. I'm only watching video. This is no fun. I can do that at home. Um, you know, I'm braving. I'm so busy in there. This is so busy. So hot, and I want to be rewarded for my persistence. Uh, by actually getting to play a game or two. I'm going to check out some indie games uh, in a bit. Um, Nintendo's got a really nice stand. Uh, it's all decked out in Mario Maker, lots of retro Mario art and sort of Lego-y sort of uh, uh, Mario decoration. So that's really nice, a real fun, friendly stand from Nintendo. So it's quarter to 11, been here a couple of hours, so I'm going to go and get in a queue, I think, and yeah, see if I can't get my hands on one of those gamepad things uh, before I leave Gamescom. Um, well, speak to you in a bit. We've landed on a platform scattered with a wide variety of games. Uh, it's very hard to see the common link between these games until we discover that is. It is the what we have been playing platform. <laughs> yeah. And we've, yeah. of course, been playing very different games. Um, Yes. In case you don't understand the concept of this platform, it's where we discuss what we've been playing. Uh, <laughs> hence the name. Hence the name, yeah. yeah. But just in case, like I'm, I want it to be very user... I think this podcast needs to be more user-friendly. Uh, yeah, mm. I think it... Yeah. Is it worth explaining one more time or...? Um, no, I think people have the, the basic just... And if they don't, I'm sure they'll pick it up as we go along. You can rewind uh, and... Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just re- rewind as many times as you need to before you move make sure you fully understand this platform before you move on yeah because otherwise uh, yeah. it might be a bit weird yeah yeah it'll be mind-bending otherwise yeah <laughs> uh it's so sort of revolutionary yeah greener do you want to kick off with what you've been playing all right so you you as i as i was saying earlier you're hearing bits of me talking about games i played at gamescom but but what will be confusing is that this will be really confusing in bits that you hear later on you'll hear me saying that i did not get to play the new Mirror's Edge at Gamescom. But then following that recording, I did get to play the new Mirror's Edge. Um, so ignore later on Greener. Listen to me. I've got you mean, the... ignore f- bef- what? past Greener. Past Greener is in the listener's future. We've made you... this platform confusing already. So <laughs> well done. <laughs> Basically, I'm going to talk about Mirror's Edge. It's, basically, you have to, it's like Primer, this podcast. <laughs> so... Yeah, um, so Mirror's Edge was in on the EA stand and was very, very popular. Uh, There's very long queues for it. Um, and it was it was in two parts. 
Yeah, the actual present, the sort of presentation was in two parts. So you got the first bit was you got ushered into a room with very plush seating, a kind of oh, little mini, nice. mini theater, mm. and you got put on some very headphones that made your ears very hot, uh, very and sweaty, very cushioned headphones, mm. and they um, talked you through the game a bit. I guess it was the director. What in the video? Yeah, uh, it, it was one of the creatively types yeah so he taught you through the game and i realized as it went on it wasn't really a surprise they were doing this because a lot of the video was like here's how mirror's edge works if you haven't experienced it before Mm. um and matthew i don't know if you'd agree but it, it this is this really feels like a kind of reboot for this generation it's kind of like okay mirror's edge happened it probably sold a fair amount but we're going to give it another go. You know, we're starting yeah. again. Um, so this video is very much like, we want you to understand Mirror's Edge before you play it so that you don't go away and say, huh, because we've, this is our second yeah. shot. Mm. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of going a bit huh already because Mirror's Edge does look good. You know, I, I went back and played it not too long ago, a few months ago, and it, it does look good. And although it's such a weird game, as you as you described, Mark, like it can mm. take you a while to kind of get your heads around it. It's got... Yeah. Some people absolutely love it, and it really it does look uh, very good now. You know, uh, yeah. Well, I think it's a, yeah, it's a game. If you've if you've given it the time, it rewards you, I guess. But mm. I I think they seem aware that they have to they they can't just throw this in front of people's faces. You know, it, it needs some sort yeah. of they need to prep people a bit. They okay. sort of uh, it was interesting because I actually I interviewed the like the general manager of Dice while I was there. Mm. And I sort of said, well, it's quite an odd, it's quite an interesting one to do a sequel to because while it's got its fans, you know, it, mm. there were plenty of critics as well, and there were criticisms, mm. and it didn't like it wasn't a absolutely massive hit or anything. And he sort yeah. of said, well, yeah, he said when they sort of started it, they kind of knew that they couldn't just kind of do more of the first game because mm. that clearly wasn't going to be right for too many people. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so they kind of went back to like what they thought the original kind of promise of the idea was. Cause they said everyone always really liked, you know, the concept art and the box art and all this kind of stuff. Yes. You know, like that, that was what really, that's what people loved, but they, they never really got to be in that place. And I think that's re- really what catalyst is about. Yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 a game you you want to like because of the art and the and the world and the and the and, the and style. how original it is. It's such a such a a, a brave concept. You know? Yeah, I, I think it's a game everyone wants to wants it. They want it to succeed. You know. Um. So yeah, and so then when you finish that presentation, you got you got ushered out onto the into the actual demo area to play the game. My takeaway, my main takeaway from it was, well, it's Mirror's Edge. I, I didn't. <laughs> okay. I didn't see anything apart from maybe the the, the rope swinging, the new rope swimming, uh, rope swimming. <laughs> I loved how that got more wrong the slower you went. Rope, you you almost got it fir- right first time, and it was rope swimming. It was like rope swimming, rope swimming, well, you, swimming. Yeah. No. Right, let's try again. Rope swinging. Yes. Yeah. Just, just back, edit that in. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, rope swinging mechanic is new, isn't it? In uh, I haven't played uh, all of the original. I believe so. No, I haven't played all the original. Yeah. But, yeah, but it was a short demo, and basically it just felt like Mirror's Edge. There wasn't very much new to it. I, I enjoyed it. I think it looks really 
uh, really pretty. Um, but yeah, it's, I think they're making it much more, they're making the routes much more obvious. It was much clearer to me where I need to go than it was well, in it, the original. It, it's so, like, for one, it's kind of open world as opposed to kind of like very linear tracks mm. from before. It does sort of give you little visual cues, the original, doesn't it? But which obviously, it, you know, is, is a bit of a risky gamble that you've got to rely on the player noticing and seeing them and then heading in the right direction and, you know, picking up that it is a visual cue. But it's to do with colour. It uses uh, like an orange yeah. colour or, or a green or whatever. just to Yeah, same with this. But I think you'll find it's a lot more obvious. Okay. Mm. And mm. yeah, I don't know, Matthew, did you see anything... Like that was. Um, we saw a bit. I saw a kind of demo which was set. It was like one of them. It was more of a kind of contained mission. It was set within inside this sort of office building, and it was kind of scaling it. And it was a little bit more. And they kept saying puzzle, but I think it's a puzzle mm. in terms of kind of, you know, do I climb up this green thing or that green thing? It's you know, it's not like a super brain teaser or anything it's more like i guess a puzzle in the same way that a lara croft tomb is a puzzle in that you're just trying mm-hmm. to you know can i make that jump is that the right route i'm trying to make around this building um it looked good and i like the idea of it i like clambering around and yeah um you know it's smart i think they she doesn't have any gun combat so that basically means all the enemies have to stand right next to things that they can get kicked through easily. <laughs> ah, so they're taking the guns out. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, so they've got, like, stun guns and things, but the idea is that they've almost been placed... They're, like, parts to kind of keep the combo going, so you can kind of, like, jump off a thing, kind of kick into a guy's chest and sort of bound off him to go onto something else. Mm. Um, but it yeah. does mean the guards stand next to you know windows which is a really bad move when you've got this like notorious kicking girl yeah it's like they stand yeah they'll stand at the bottom of a zip line zip line yeah they'll just be they'll hang around at the exact (laughs) bottom of it like "Mm, maybe not the maybe not the best move Uh, Uh, (laughs) because you just think you could just shoot her from afar in theory you'd think it would be quite easy Mm. because everything's white (laughs) and you've got this (laughs) person who's in like a red shirt you'd just be like Everything's uh, white except offices, which have been painted in the most garish, bright green um, you can imagine, which I don't think is uh, conducive to a like yeah. a relaxing working environment. I feel very sorry for the guys in those. Well, offices. I think, but it's a bleak future. It's a dystopia. I think yeah. they've got bigger problems than you know the color scheme of the office. <laughs> it's the fact that that office is making you do work to kind of I don't know, probably murder the poor or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, Matthew, what's what you got for us? So uh, I have been playing uh, Metal Gear Solid Five, The Phantom Pain. It's, just, it's it's been kind of gnawing away at me because I I did a preview event about three four months ago mm-hmm. for the magazine, um, and I played it for two days, and then basically it's kind of all I've wanted to play since <laughs> I played it for those two days. Ooh, that's um, a good sign. So I like Metal Gear, I like its nonsense, but at the same time, I've never really felt it, it, it's it been the sort of stealth game it could be. You know, I've always really enjoyed the bits you've done, but mm. the bits you actually play are kind of sort of few and far between, it seems, as the mm. series goes on. <laughs> um, this one, I mean, it's probably, you know, I'd say it's, it's, it's something, it'll probably be mad, like 97% stuff you play 
to kind of 3% non-interactive stuff, um, mm. which for Metal Gear is kind of crazy. That is um, weird. It's, he's just built a really good stealth sandbox uh, for you to kind of explore and mess around in. And he's given you like probably one of the biggest collections of kind of goodies and kit and weird equipment. And uh, you've got these buddies that you take into the field with you. He's given you so many things that you can Mm. kind of take into that sandbox to play with. Um, But it's not play in the sense of, uh, I sort of struggled to kind of capture this thought in when I was reviewing it, but um there's, I think sandbox worlds, they're so big and they tend to fill that space by having like a really overblown central character. You know, they have something really, you know, you are Mr. Crazy Powerful who can absorb a thousand bullets. You are the guy who can jump over skyscrapers. Mm. You know, they, But this actually goes, well, no, I'm going to give you this space, but you're still the kind of same sort of fragile thing. And it somehow kind of maintains the kind of intensity of those kind of earlier kind of claustrophobic metal gears even Mm. though you're outside you know if if it gets too much you could just run away but you don't kind of feel that in the heat of the moment you're like oh god this guy's gonna find me and you're like well i could just go and ride and sit behind that that rock that's interesting Um, well to me well whether this is true or not i don't know but when you say that it kind of feels like oh is this is this fulfilling the promise of the the opening area of metal gear solid one you know which which felt like there was all kinds of stuff to do in that mm-hmm. area but you know you were still very fragile and you had to hide and it was very very easy to get killed mm. yeah so i don't know yeah, maybe it's that yeah, large it absolutely is and you can it you know for the first time it kind of like if it all goes wrong and they find you it turns into a pretty good action game because you have the uh, equipment if you want that. to so you can uh-huh. play it like that if you want to go straight in quiet and you want to restart and you want to escape you can do that too i mean there's actually it, it's kind of there's a lot of elements that are designed to kind of trip you up, not in a kind of malicious way, but like there's a lot of uh, like unexpected things can happen mm. and it kind of just forces you to constantly kind of improvise to stay one step ahead. I think that's where the oh, intensity cool. comes from. Mm. You know, you're kind of like, you don't want to, you know, you think every, every, every time you kind of catch someone's eye, it becomes a game of like a little miniature game of cat and mouse and it can kind of escalate into just like a huge manhunt and you're like, mm. oh my God. But when you get away with it, you're like, oh god, I'm absolutely amazing. I am. I'm a legendary <laughs> soldier. I'm big boss. Uh, and uh, <laughs> like, I, yeah, I just got a huge amount of time for it. And it, it's, uh, it's it, there's so many thing, little things. And this, it's a, you know, I, I've only seen a fraction of it. I think in terms mm. of like, there's so much to it. And wow. you know, reading everyone else's reviews, I'm like, I didn't even know you could do that. I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, that's cool. I mean, you know, there's items that I had in the game. Where I was like, I don't know. You know, at one point I developed like a water pistol and I was like, what the hell is this for? <laughs> you know, I've got this, it must have a purpose. Everything has a part to play in that game and you know it, you just haven't found it yet. Yeah. And you know, it, it, that it, there's this kind of element of experimentation to it. And I just think it like, whatever your feelings about Metal Gear, like that game is really worth investing in. Um, mm. If if anything, like it's weird. I've seen lots of people go like, "Oh, it's the best Metal Gear game," and I don't think it is in that it doesn't fulfil maybe what people want from it. It isn't bizarre. It isn't self indulgent. You know, it, it's Great. a step back. Like, bring it on. Yeah, I know. This is the thing. Like, I'd probably say like Metal Gear Solid Three is still like the definitive Metal Gear in terms of like the bosses and just how weird it is. But mm. this is easily the best game Kojima's made. I mean I wonder why by... I wonder why that is. I wonder I wonder why he's he's turned it down again, you know, all that um I don't know. I, 
I, I think some of it is kind of like, you know, pretty like form follows function in a, in a, in a way because you can't have you can't give someone that space that kind of sandbox and then like be by their side the whole time. It just wouldn't. Mm. Work. I just don't think it would work. So right. it's kind of forced by default to kind of step back a bit. You can mm. steal kind of cassettes of pop music from boomboxes and then like ride around to kind of like aha or hall of notes and stuff. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's got a good soundtrack actually. Uh, so can... some of which you can do in uh, ground zeros. Um, and yeah, I'm wondering yeah. how much, I mean, essentially I've tasted a certain amount of phantom pain, but how much I wonder. Oh, not like ground zeros is a fraction of what they do in phantom pain. I mean, it, Importantly, too, Phantom Pain like it's got a a much lighter touch than Ground Zeroes, I think, because yeah, that was so good. bleak and it went to some really horrible places. Mm. This is and this is still kind of dark and it still has like some really unpleasant moments in it, but it's also got you know you attach balloons to kind of goats to kidnap them and stuff. <laughs> so it's yeah, they had a like, floating sheep at the uh, Gamescom, didn't they? On the on the stand, uh, <laughs> did you see that? I think only you saw that green, or I think that was Gamescom <laughs> madness. Yeah, that was like, that was day two point five. <laughs> Taking photos, of it, it's just like a bin when you look back at the photos. <laughs> you're like, oh, that's weird. Um, yeah, like I, I really can't recommend it enough, and I think mm. I hope you guys play it, and and yeah. you know, I hope I hope if people haven't played like Mel, you know, they're put off by the whole. Metal Gear thing, they shouldn't be because it's very accessible. I thought, um, great, yeah, liked it, loved it. It's brilliant. Oh, I'm pleased because you know, I've I, god, it'd be so nice to get into a Metal Gear game yeah. that isn't Metal Gear One, which is the last one I was you know, I actually wanted to play all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm missing out, you know, I feel everyone's talking about Metal Gear all the time. Oh, and, it's um, it's a re- I think it's a bit of a not to be like. To snoot a bit of it. it, it's like a bit of a games journalist game. Like people, games journalists love writing about that game. Like it's what it's, it gives you so much like juice for writing magazines with because they're so mad and there's so much to it. Yeah, that, like I think we get. I think sometimes people get like an inflated idea of like how big it is because Metal Gear is big, but it's not mm. like a gta big you no know, no no in the grand scheme of things it's still relatively kind of boutique and weird uh that's kind of why i'm sort of hoping rocket league sort of knocks dota off <laughs> of the uh off its perch because i was really it was really good to see that I don't, I don't know if you saw that last second goal in the rocket league final um in the rocket league world cup or whatever a couple of weeks ago and it's like how refreshing to see the climactic moment of a, you know, what amounts to an esports game um, that anyone can understand. You know, mm. it's like, yeah, that guy got a goal at the last second. And those um, moments are not uncommon in Rocket League. I, a number of times when I've been playing, that's happened. Well, that's literally great because last Dota second. is impe- literally impenetrable to the most people. The thing is, there's no games journalists who understand it either. Really? No. I thought there was a few sort of. Uh, I, there's a few like. Because if you, if if you to understand Dota, you basically have to dedicate your life to it. So you yeah. basically become a Dota journalist. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's like one guy in the office who's kind of like Mister Moba and just gets mm. all the Moba work because he's the only one who's putting the time to understand it. Yeah. Like I'm terrified. I don't even know what Moba stands for, let alone <laughs> how you play one. All so, I know is that you you can go down the middle or you can go up the sides, 
Um, and that's it. That's where my knowledge ends. There's, there's something in it called jungling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's going down the... Down Isn't, the... Uh, it's something to do with a jungle. Yeah. <laughs> we, should do some, we should do some MOBA true facts, definitely. <laughs> I feel it's yeah. ripe territory. Oh, God, yeah. We'll never... I mean, do some careful research and find out some unique facts that you don't know about. MOBAs. Yeah, no, and no one will know whether it's their true or not. because no, because nobody not understands even, Not even Dota players, because it's so confusing. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, I think that was a, a law that was passed in 1765. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It, we, we, yeah. What's also likely is that we make up 10 things that turn out to actually be true, because there's so <laughs> yeah. many arcane like rules and nonsense in MOBAs that, you know, getting the cheese... And taking it to the tower is absolutely a thing that happens in Dota. Absolutely. Um, it makes Paul Daniels appear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's Dota. That's how you win Dota. Oh. <laughs> um, right. So, Alan, what have, what have you got? Okay. I've played a game called How Do You Do It, which is a little uh, free game by Nina Freeman, Emmett Butler, Jonathan Kitaka, and Deckman Koss. You know those guys. Now... I just want to preface these comments with a little warning in that I said to Mark, I want to talk about this game. How do you do it? And Mark said, there is no way that that is getting on the podcast. Yeah. So basically, we're sorry. um, Listeners, I'm sorry you're not hearing this bit of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But But (laughs) so the challenge that has been set to me is how to describe it in a way that is family safe. No, no. That's a challenge you set yourself. Uh, okay, all right, and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna rise to the occasion. <laughs> so I'll describe it using um, the words from Steam because they're uncontroversial, like the, the the description of the game on Steam. So I'll just start with that, which is a little lazy, but it kind of sets the tone. How do you do it? Puts players in the role of an 11 year old girl whose mother has just stepped out for an errand. The girl immediately grabs her dolls and furtively Im- attempts to figure out how sex works using these plastic surrogates. So. That's the mechanic. You get right. a certain a period of time after your mother has left the house. You've got these two dolls. You can rotate them and you can move them up and down and you can move them together and apart. And in the meanwhile, there are these little speech bubbles behind that are appearing saying silly little things like, um, I don't hug mommy like that. And apparently it's based on, um, it's based on uh, real experiences by what's her name uh of nina's experience of being a young girl and trying to work out these things how these things work and mm. um it's very very simple it has a little bit i suppose the the, the mechanics of it are are what you, what keep you coming back because it is quite funny seeing like limbs flop about all over the place this is one of those this is so i played um three-fourths home uh at the weekend okay. have you guys played that I haven't, no. Is that the one where it's a car journey? Yeah, and that is a game that... I mean, I really liked Gone Home, right? Mm. But Three Force Home makes me feel like a complete philistine because I just played it and thought, what What the hell is the fact that everyone's saying this is good a joke that Mm. I'm not in on? You know, because it just... (laughs) It's like Goat Simulator. (laughs) (laughs) No, not quite. (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay. You're Imagine right, if then. it's like a really sentimental drive home, and there's like a mad physics goat in the back. <laughs> and that's that, what you have that to deal I can with. Get behind. <laughs> no, it's just a game where you drive. It's two D, and it's just two D car, and you're driving, and there's and you're having a conversation with your family, right? And and then there's an epilogue, which seems to be the sort of meat of the game. But 
the reason I mention that is because when I played uh, How Do You Do It, I just thought, ah, really? Like, this is not, there is not very much to this. It's not a game. It is described I mean, as a vignette game. It's yeah, about but capturing it just a certain such... moment. I mean, it was nominated for IGF. Yeah, which to, is, like, you know, well, let's, let's get a oh, bit overexcited. That's ridiculous. I, I was nominated for that. We've all been nominated for that. <laughs> <laughs> nominate anything for that. I haven't even made a game and, you know, I've, I've won it. I managed to throw an empty packet of mints into the bin the other day and they nominated <laughs> that for it. The mints bin. <laughs> actually, that is year. a game. Throwing stuff into bins, that's a game. Like, that is actually mm. more of a game than, than how do you do it. So I suppose... <laughs> It's funny. The art style is, um, yeah, it looks looking. like a kind of early 90s point and click game, but really badly drawn. Yeah, it's got um, a very cute, cute art style, yeah. But I guess people aren't people celebrating like more the idea of kind of challenging, challenging conventions. And mm-hmm. there is very much, there is a big, there is a big group of people within games who think games can be more than you know, running around attaching balloons to goats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like conceptual art, really, isn't it? It's, it's yeah, it's and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm all over that kind of thing normally. Like, do you, do you remember that? Um, did you play Mountain? I say play. So, yeah, that's by David O'Reilly, who's an animator. And um, it's just a little window on your computer and it's just a mountain. And um, I can't remember what happens. I think maybe trees grow. <laughs> uh, over time and right. i think there were little secrets kind of waiting if you let it run for a certain time but it what you didn't do anything really and i'm i'm kind of all over that and i really like proteus you know just literally walking around discovering things but this 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 kind of thing is the limit for me it's very, it's very <laughs> it's very short it doesn't really explore concepts of any depth it's just like a little moment that captures uh, something from someone's childhood. Well, just two games this week then for. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Alan handled that very well. It's a shame that oh, you steady. might you might just have got away with it. You might just got yeah. Away with I th- it. I th- I thought I thought it was a very sensitive approach <laughs> to what is fundamentally a very silly non-game. Mm. Shall I shall I get us off this platform? Yes, please. Let's do that thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, that's uh, that's been fun. Yeah. Well, I've uh, I look forward to playing those other games. Oh, I've played one of them, and the other one's too rude for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I get the I'm getting the good deal out of this. I've heard about yeah, Edge. I've heard exactly. about Phantom Pain. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should but, all try uh, and converge on a all playing Metal Gear and talking about it. Yeah, um, that would be hmm. fun. Hmm. We can all go and join the pre-order queue uh, <laughs> after this. Well, hello, listeners. Uh, it's 20 to 1 at Gamescom, and oh, you'd be surprised how tiring it is uh, playing them video games. You, when you go in the toilet, you see people, they're, they're kind of dabbing down their faces with water, looking haggard, staring at themselves in the mirror. Um, yeah, people are getting tired. You know, you know it's hard work. And, um, yeah, I'm outside in a sort of quieter area in the uh, bright uh, German sunshine. Just had a bit of... Uh, uh, I had a Bockwurst to, uh, as a bit of sustenance to keep me going. I, d- I, I lived in Germany for like, you know, two years, two or three years and uh, when I worked for Nintendo. And I still, I'm not sure what they're doing, still not sure what they're doing with the Bockwurst and the uh, bread here. The bread roll is kind of like a normal size, but the Bockwurst is like a foot long. 
Uh, so I ended up eating some of the sausage just with my bare hands, uh, sort of reverted to a primal state, and that's that's uh, a very good indicator of what's happening to people as they uh, as they use their energy to walk the halls of uh, Gamescom uh, and play games. But it's fun. It's fun. I just played that uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, um, which was which was good. Um, I think I played it as it's uh, as it's meant to be played. I hopped off a boat in. Um, in uh, oldie timey London uh, in the dark and then uh, true to the assassin's code I hijacked a horse and carriage and galloped up and down past the greens guards guarding the Tower of London uh, and smashed into other carriages uh, killed a horse a corpse was lying there in the middle of the road uh, it, this is the creed that they speak of uh, in assassin's creed um, but yeah, I did play a little bit of it properly. Uh, so yeah, it's weird. Like I, I guess it's the Tower of London. There's a lot of the Queen's Guards with the old uh, the old hats on, but they don't seem to. They don't want to let you in the Tower of London. But when they see you inside the Tower of London, because you you get you got a zip line in this, it's all gone a bit Batman. So you're using your zip line to kind of climb over the battlements and uh, and get into the Tower of London. Yeah, when the guards see you, they're sort of like, "All right, Miss, what what you up to?" In a kind of Cockney accent, obviously. Um, excuse me, uh, everything all right? It's like, are you not going to shoot her or, 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 or attack her? She's in the Tower of London? Apparently not. Uh, so, yeah, it's good. You get sort of missions within missions. I had to pick up a key and rescue a guy. Um, yeah, and the zip lining was, was kind of fun. I, I, the controls are all in German, so um, I had a very hard time knowing what I was doing. But, uh, yeah. Seems 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 like a good little game. Um, so I played that. Um, I played Cuphead. You know that kind of, uh, you know, nineteen, what twenties, thirties, forties cartoon um, looking game. It's like a boss. It's like a pure boss rush game. I'm a bit worried about Cuphead. I mean, it's very. It's obviously amazing to look at. Uh, I saw a couple of uh, the big bosses. There was a giant potato. Self-explanatory, really, and then a couple of um, giant frogs who were fighting you in a restaurant, and you know, there's loads of stuff going on in the background. It looks, uh, you know, it's got that simultaneously cool but also terrifying um, old old Looney Tunes look to it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm no fan of boss bosses in games anyway, and Boss Rush is obviously like a bosses to the factor of bosses. Um, and yeah, it didn't, I don't know, there was a lot of jumping over projectiles and, and just standing and shooting. Maybe it, they were the easier bosses, I don't know, but there's a whole map of the things. Uh, so, I don't know, I'm a bit worried about the kind of actual um, fun factor of uh, Cuphead, but, you know, who knows? So, I played uh, Trackmania Turbo, I think it's called, cool, from Ubisoft. I haven't really played Trackmania as much before. I was really drawn to the demo pods they were using because uh, the game's got a kind of yeah, a sort of Daytona-y, if you remember those original Daytonas and Ridge Racers, uh, you know, it's just bright blue skies and helicopters hovering over the track and um, big balloon animals to the side of the track, not sure. Uh, Sega's old games had those, but anyway. Um, but they've also got these LED signs everywhere, not dissimilar to Wipeout, but, but a bit more... Um, did also put me in mind of Sega's old stuff, and they'd also they'd recreated these uh, these signs like, like above the demo pods, and they were kind of flashing all these strange sort of Japanese slash English uh, encouragement messages. You know, go fast, try harder, 
um, and loads of strange animals and icons. I, that really appealed to me. Um, they, they did not want me taking pictures, even though their demo pods are facing the hall where everyone's just walking past. <laughs> it's like, well, don't. If you're gonna, every, everyone else turns their monitors away from the hall when they don't want people, you know, they've got screens behind, but these guys are like, no, please don't take pictures, even though I could have taken a picture from across the other side of the hall. God damn it. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, the game's quite hard, actually. Um, so I didn't enjoy it as much as I sort of hoped I would. Um, but, yeah, God, the, the look of it is really good. There's a panda draped over a giant magnet hanging over the track at one point. I don't know if that means something to Trackmania fans, but it meant absolutely nothing to me. Um, and disappointingly, you didn't get sucked up. Uh, you didn't get attracted by the magnet um, and left to dangle there at the panda's behest for all eternity. Uh, it was a bit disappointing. But yeah, Trackmania. Uh, yeah, might be worth a look. Coming out into the year, I think. Well, so it's good I got, got some hand got I got some hands on some games. Uh, all, all two of my hands, in fact. Um, so yeah, now I'm going to go and uh, I might go and check out EA in a minute. Cause I've been over there. They normally have a huge uh, arena at Gamescom. Um, so I'm going to go and check out that out. Uh, I hear Mirror's Edge and um, Need for Speed are, are in there somewhere. Uh, so yes, I'm going to head back inside, uh, back into the heaving midst of the heaving masses, and uh, yeah, I will speak to you later on. And now the rotating platform players will present the F-Zero medley played entirely on the Nintendo DS game Jam with the Map. Oh, sure. Listeners, Mark Green here. <laughs> Sorry, probably sound tired. I'm exhausted. I've run out of water. I've run out of the Chris I brought. Um, this might be it. This might be the, <laughs> this might be the end of me. But I did play some more games. Um, so what have I been playing? So I went over to Nintendo stand and played some Nintendo games. 
they got it running a bit like they had to, they got Star Fox there but they're letting everyone play through the whole level or two um, and that takes about 15-20 minutes so and they've only got like six well, six pods I think or eight pods so it takes forever so I'm going to try and I'm going to try and queue up for that again later but I'll tell you what no one was playing that I was well up for Mario Tennis Ultra Smash as I believe they call it uh, which is just like the old Mario Dennis of yore, um, except there's mushrooms that make you huge now. Uh, so yeah, that was fun. I played some dude, Mario versus Bowser, me and some random guy. Well, I guess I'm a random guy as far as he's concerned. And yeah, I lost. I lost big time. Um, so all those skills that I learned back on N64 magazine have drained out of me, uh, just like all of my energy <laughs> games gone. So, uh, yeah, but that was, uh, that was a good time. Yeah, very simple A button, B button controls. You do combinations. A then B was uh, smash, I think. And B then A was the other one. Lob. I know nothing about tennis. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that, that was... Uh, I wanted to play more of that. Um, why are the linesmen clapping when points are won? That's not very impartial. There's all those toads hanging around at the on the sidelines and they're all having a good round of applause when someone gets a point that can't be right somebody needs to sort that out oh I went to see the Solus Project which I'd seen online before I came and I sort of singled out as a game I wanted to play it's on the old Xbox so it's kind of like an indie game it is an indie game um, and I didn't get to play very much of it because I died very early on and then got kicked off by the developer which was a, a nice touch oh I'll tell you how that game starts it's so funny so but so it's set in the year 2134 or something, and apparently mankind is, is, is on the brink of extinction, 866 years ahead of schedule, according to the Space Arc timeline. And, um, yeah, you're a sort of space guy who lands on a different planet, I think, probably trying to search for some resources or maybe somewhere else that humans can live. Anyway, I'll tell you how it starts. You climb up out of a pod, uh, you know, like, in a, like a pod that's, that's, cra- that's crash-landed on the planet. You, so you see it in first person, you climb up out you're standing on top of the pod surveying this alien beautiful alien planet <laughs> alien atmosphere and then he kind of just topples over on and down onto the onto the ground below and then you see a little blood, little bit of blood on the on the uh, screen on the camera i thought it'd be funny if it just ended there <laughs> that's the end of that guy's rescue mission <laughs> just like oh the beauty of a alien planet dead but it doesn't end there. You uh, set out on this planet, and I only got as far as A, finding someone else who'd crash-landed on the planet and was dead. B, finding a key. C, dying in a tornado. Um, but, God, that's beautiful, that game. You, just standing on this uh, alien shore, this giant moon or giant planet in the distance, all, all, all sunset colours, really pretty. I just wanted to kind of stop and... Uh, take it all in uh, but I had some dying to do dying in a tornado and I succeeded in that uh, so yeah I really want to play more of that it uh, uh, looks really good Solus pro- Project oh the voice acting leaves a lot to be desired in the Solus Project actually <laughs> when he found the when he finds his dead uh, someone he knows actually some other guy who crashed his pod probably tripped and fell like, like he did but it wasn't so lucky um, he's dead and that guy's voice acting is the text is no, no, no. So you know how you want to say that, right? When you find your dead uh, space mate. No, no, no. He says it like he's dropped his rich tea biscuit in his tea. And he's got to fish it out with a spoon. So like, oh, no, no, no. It uh, doesn't lend it the gravity that uh, he should have done, really, that voice actor. Hmm. But, yeah, 
Otherwise, pretty impressive, the old Solus project. And with that, you're bang up to date on what Mark Green's been playing at Gamescom. So, it's a couple of hours left. It normally starts quietening down a bit as we get later in the day. So, some of the games that I tried to queue for and I gave up on, like uh, Star Fox, as mentioned. Um, Mirror's Edge, also as mentioned. Oh, I really want to play that un- Unravel. You know that game from E3 with the little guy made from wool? That looks cute as all hell, and I really want to have a go in it. But again, I gave up queuing because uh, they seem to be letting people play for about half an hour. Uh, so, yeah, I might try and have a go on uh, Need for Speed as well, actually. So, oh, they're cleaning the bins. Anyone who wants to try and do a podcast at Gamescom, um, this is a games festival where there is an inordinate amount of trolleys on wheels rolling around on gravel. Uh, so just be warned Makes, uh, and wind a lot, heck of a lot of wind so yeah I might try um, I might try Need for Speed as well yeah so one final report I reckon from the very end of the day if I'm not just sprawled out dehydrated and uh, exhausted uh, dead from uh, wandering around Gamescom my feet really hurt oh. uh, but yeah it's fun times played a lot of games gonna play more speak to you later It is the year 3000. Apocalyptic disaster has struck in what has become known as the event. Millions are dead or dying in the molten lava of a collapsing planet. The one beacon of hope, the Space Ark, constructed to protect humanity's best people and greatest works, has carried them safely to a new home beyond the stars. Racing against time, the Space Ark Games Committee convenes to decide which video games will be preserved for future generations and which will be lost forever to the fire. It's the year 3000, my friends. It's time to get aboard that Ark and sort out the wheat from the chaff. Yeah, Not time, just we'll... time for us to get aboard the Ark. Everyone else it ain't welcome. Oh, that reminds me. That's a perfect segue. So um, did you see this thing on Reddit about lava uh, no, a couple of weeks ago didn't see it so oh, that someone... was in the times of the troubles for reddit so no oh yeah it's, yeah i say a couple of weeks ago it's it's confusing i mean um a thousand years ago. No, a thousand years ago yes exactly a thousand years ago and two, and weeks. two weeks yeah <laughs> yeah um someone was talking about um what happens if you do actually uh, get, uh encounter lava um and Whoa. surprisingly it's not it's not what you expect it said the thing most people don't realize about molten rock is that even though it's molten, it's still rock. What this means is, is if you jumped into a pool of lava, it wouldn't be very different from jumping onto a concrete sidewalk. <laughs> so you're more likely to be killed by the heat than actually sinking into the lava. Who knew? But wait. Um, oh, yeah. No, you won't sink into the lava. bubbling red lava? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't... Yeah, it doesn't actually say what happens if you hit video game lava. Well, Minecraft just, just... lava in particular... Like yeah. that, you don't sink into like, that. Like I've seen like that slow lava flow in documentaries, but yeah, but I've it's also... rock. It's 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 liquid rock. If you can imagine that, so yeah, it's but not... it's still gonna hurt. What's he trying to prove? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can be. I guess you can be swallowed up by lava quite easily. Can you? What he well... says is, um, if you ended up actually immersed in lava, yeah, how fast would you die within seconds? How painful would it be? 
not very painful since the parts of your body that enable you to feel pain would be destroyed before you had much of a chance to reflect on your situation. <laughs> I tell you what, there would <laughs> be, I, 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 like, I've, I've listened to the people in the lava outside the space arc and there is definitely there is definitely a moment of realization of what's happened. <laughs> like, you... and it's not a happy moment. Let me tell you that. Well, so we've got a guy who, when he looks out of his bedroom window, probably sees what his back garden. And yeah, then you've got maybe. us. When we look out of our bedroom window, I see all of humankind <laughs> drowning in lava. When I sit, look out of my bedroom window on Space Arc, I see Alan because uh, for some reason they've built the bedrooms right next to each other with a window <laughs> in the middle. Man, it's... that gets awkward. Yeah. Beggars can't be choosers in, uh, in Space Arc. No. Yeah. But, uh, well, that was an interesting lesson about lava. <laughs> it's very sincere. So I got a bit more space business before we move on to oh, the yeah. matter at hand. Oh, my God. Um, a bit of retro Space Arc, if you like, because um, a couple of people sent us nominations for the last couple of weeks space arc last couple of episodes space arc genres that i think is worth mentioning um mm-hmm. because they were really good this is um, very this is very unconventional but i'll i'll go with it alex d who'll be popping up later with his own nomination for this episode yeah, he was disappointed that um at dinosaur game week on mm-hmm. space arc mm-hmm. <laughs> He says, I can't be your oldest listener at 36. <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> but, has, but has everyone really forgotten the arcadey greatness of Cadillacs and dinosaurs? Oh, that rings a bell. It really holds up just as well as any other scrolling arcade brawler of its time. I will interject and say, probably not at all. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, my eight-year-old son and I played, through it, played it through to completion only the other day. Uh, it was fantastic. Have you seen? Yeah, Cadillacs and dinosaurs is bonkers. It's a yeah, it's a real sort of final fight kind of game, but with dinosaur dinosaurs everywhere. Um, you're actually kick punching dinosaurs in the face and uh, and where, all that. Where the, <laughs> um, I actually remember uh, Kitsy doing a bit about this in Endgamer. He did a uh, mm. thing. But where did the Cadillacs factor in? Do you fight them too, or do you drive a Cadillac? <laughs> I don't know actually. Can someone look it up? In my head, Maybe. I've got a picture of like a dinosaur kicking apart a Cadillac, like in the bonus stages of Street Fighter. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> just pummeling the side of a Cadillac. Do, 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 do. But I don't know if it is that game. If it isn't no, that game, that game should be made, <laughs> and it will definitely win that art game award that we talked about earlier. <laughs> yeah, assuming the IGF. Yeah. Um, he also said we missed Dino Crisis. Uh, well, that's, did we not talk about Dino uh, Crisis? That was oh a- no, no, no. Because I suppose yeah, we did uh, Jurassic Park and stuff like that instead. Hmm. So then the other... Um, so yeah, I like how we just gloss over Dino Crisis again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, and you missed Dino Crisis. Yes. Anyway. Yes, yes. Th- that is factually correct. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, yeah, so thanks, Alex. Uh, yes, you're right. And we should have talked about those games and we didn't. And we're very sorry. So then Joe Scrabbles, who is a human male known to us from yes, real life. He's my employee. Yep. He had a great nomination for celebrity celebrity face games that we I'll missed. Be, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> yeah. I'll read it out now. Hello, he says. I would like to nominate PS1 Twin Stick Also Ran Apocalypse, starring the unblinking face of Bruce Willis. The reasoning for Willis playing the lead is beautifully pragmatic. Apparently, he suddenly changed his mind about doing much voice work mid-development and had to be <laughs> and had to be swapped from a chatty sidekick 
to, to, to a to a protagonist that just occasionally screams obscenities. <laughs> Bonus. Those recording sessions must have gone well. Yeah. Bonus. This was Neversoft's first game, and the engine and models were used for alpha versions of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. This means that at one point, the only playable character in a game named after Tony Hawk was Bruce Willis. <laughs> so I suppose I nominate that too. Wow. It was uh, a terrible game, though. Yeah. Apocalypse. Yeah, because I remember, like, I think I remember what I was reading Games Master at the time, and they did a uh, big feature on it. Cause it was like, Bruce Willis is in a PlayStation game. Oh, my God, Bruce Willis, Bruce mm. Willis. Um, it's like the first time this has ever happened. And it was just, uh, like, just, just bilge. So, yeah. Anyway, that. so what? We're, sorry, we're 10 minutes into Space Arc. We haven't even gotten to the, the, math, the main business. Which is... Fantasy sports games. Yeah. So, mm. uh, by which we we had some fairly quite well-defined criteria for once as to what that means, didn't we? Yeah, so we, not not Mario Tennis, not, nope. not real sports with fantasy characters. It's not fantasy enough, really. Yeah. I think we've had I think we've had our first block voting ever for Space Arc. This uh not yeah, our really. first kind of campaign. So we've got Four, count them, four nominations for Splatoon. Ah. Oh. So Gordon Sloan, Splatoon, he says, uh, he says, it may also help to brighten up your Y3K nightmares of waves of lava and replace it with happier waves of paint. <laughs> I think painting over the lava, that's only going to lead to like disasters and accidents. <laughs> like, that would be a very foolish. Like, I think you have to respect lava yeah. and just treat it like it's just lava. That, I can imagine that I mean, as a 70s public information film. Do not paint <laughs> lava. <laughs> um, Painting lava costs lives. Ewan Fisher says, Hello, this is my first time trying to contact you about the space arc. And you have succeeded, Ewan. <laughs> um <laughs> I'd like to nominate Splatoon and the fictional sport of Turf War. It may not count, but we missed it for non-military shooters and games where you play as an animal. <laughs> so this is, where, this is where the few genres that it, that it could fit into. Good point. Um, he says, A very good point. Yeah. I've played hundreds of rounds of just Turf Wars alone with lots of different weapons, and they've probably added hundreds more by the year 3000. Yeah, it's like yeah. Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> they just can't stop. The single-player mode is really fun, but it's not the reason I'm nominating it. He's nominating it for the Turf Wars uh, mm-hmm. right. basically. So put Splatoon in, you and Fisher. Luke Summerhays also nominated Splatoon. He says Turf Wars are a televised sporting event in the game. Fair enough. And Matt Davis says, I think it's a sports game and it involves two teams trying to score points to beat each other, question mark. I think it's a truly unique game that has delivered on its promise to stay fresh. Mm. Oh, fresh pain. yeah, mammoth Splatoon love out there. I'm, I'm with them. Yeah, I think, that's... I think it's. Uh, I can't see um, an argument against it. Really, it's a corker, surely. Yeah, it's kind of grown in a really interesting way as well. Like, if it's what I think is probably the most novel thing about it is that the way everyone was quite kind of not suspicious, but the kind of criticisms was it was quite light. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it almost like everyone learnt how to play it with the kind of limited stuff you got at the start, mm. and then they've just kind of been dropping in more over time, and everyone's kind of taken the game with them. Um, mm. That doesn't change whether it's a sport or not, but it's yeah. a very nice structure, which which I, I think is. Uh, Worthy of praise. Um, it's re- people have really 
taken it to heart. You know, it's um, people people really love the characters and uh, yeah. yeah. I'd want to be. There's this. Uh, I don't really know what his story is, but there's like the whole competition is sort of presided over by this cat. Oh yeah, uh, who kind of like waves his flags and sort of judges it. But like cats eat fish. Uh, I assume they eat squid. Like that yeah. guy's got it really sorted because you've just got all these people, he's all these squid squids, all and no one, none of them one ever thinks of the cat, and he's fat. <laughs> like he's fat as hell. So something clearly is going down. This is the sinister <laughs> you know. backstory behind all of it. Yeah, that. I think Splatoon is quietly, quietly about a kind of serial killer. All right. Well, that's not a very that's not a reason for putting it in, but uh... no. But I, 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 I think it. I think personally, I, I think it should go in. I think, and, and okay. if anything, it'd just be fun for us to play. All right. So Splatoon's in. Hey, Yay. Alex D. Remember him? He was. From, oh, uh, that from, guy. From oh, how long has it been? He would like to steer clear of the too obvious Speedball Two, which is a shame because no one else has nominated it. So that's uh, into the oh. lava, <laughs> and go for the incredible Barra Barry Ball. Oh. Now this is part of uh, Sports Friends, the little um, mm. which I haven't played. Annoyingly, I got it free. This is uh, Alex talking. I got it free on PlayStation Plus last year, and it sat ignored on my PS3 hard drive until my son stumbled across it the other day. Asking, what's this, Dad? Question mark. We loaded it up and spent a good hour playing a hilarious cross between tennis, basketball and Street Fighter. The premise is simple. You're two guys on a floating platform. Brackets, it's not rotating. Sorry. Nice. <laughs> um, a floating platform above water. You have to get the ball in the opponent's scoring area whilst defending yours, punching and kicking them, and double, triple, quadruple jumping your way to victory. Sounds like a perfect father-son uh, <laughs> game. Lovely. It sounds like yeah. poo, he says, but it's actually awesome. And it all rendered nice. in glorious 8-bit graphics. Get it in the arc. It's too good to miss. Oh, um, this does look corky, actually. I, I really want to play Sports Friends, but... Uh, I've played that one where you uh, pole vault. That's by the guy who did Quop, isn't it? Isn't it like... He's got some silly name like Pole Wobblers or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So we should explain some of this stuff. So Sports Friends is a collection of four very simplistic um, little... Fantasy sports. Fantasy sports games, yeah, exactly. Um, And, yes, so there's a pole vault again by the guy who did Quop. There is um, this one. uh, I'm not sure. Oh, it's got stuff like uh, Johan Sebastian Joust. Yeah, which is a game where there's no visuals in that. You just have to try and make someone use the PS... You hold the, the thing still. Yeah, you have to hold still, hold the controller and hold as still as you can while the other person tries to make you Sort of move. punches you in the stomach. <laughs> oh, forget about it. Oh, my Lord. That's how I play it. <laughs> and you're just playing... You have to hold yeah. the controller still while the other person hits you with a bar of soap wrapped in a sock. <laughs> I thought you were playing it on your own. You're just, like, punching yourself. Yeah, I am. <laughs> right. Um, and I don't know what the other one is. This is more multiplayer fun for us on the arc. Yeah. yeah, I think it's yeah. I Joe, uh, Joe Scrabbles, who we heard from earlier, mm. uh, was uh, a thousand years ago used to speak high. He was always <laughs> banging on about it. Like it's all he ever wanted to do was to get a Super Barry Barry Ball uh, <laughs> uh, tournament going. Yeah. But um, I don't know if he ever managed to do it before <laughs> being consumed by a lava. Uh, oh, As knowing what? him, probably not. <laughs> what he so he li- he lived to be. 
almost 1,000 years old and was still pursuing his quest to get that tournament started, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, oh. I, it, was a, it was an epic tale. I know the feeling. Well, I think we can honour the memory of uh, Joe Scribbles and his 1,000-year uh, quest to, by pop, popping this in the ark. I think we can... Oh, and having a tournament. <laughs> yeah, oh, let's do that'll it. really make him angry. That's, that'll really that rub right salt, in, salt in, the, in the... Yeah. Wound. You'll see. Just having a great time doing it as well. Because for years I was like, no one wants to have a Barry Ball tournament. No one would be interested in that. But now I'm going to create it and host the first one. Oh, the the future's brilliant. We can uh, achieve everyone else's dreams. Uh, We can pick and choose. It's fantastic. Um, All right, that's in then. Another one in. This is a very, very fruitful... uh... It's a good genre. Everyone likes fantasy sports. All right, let's try this one then. This is from Sam Standen. Hello, fair survivors of the event. Hello. Hmm. Hello. (laughs) Uh, I wish to preserve a masterpiece of simplistic game design and nominate Frozen Cortex, brackets formerly Frozen Endzone, by Mode 7 Games. Uh, Mode 7 took their winning formula for tactical combat from Frozen Synapse and implemented it into a future robot American football-esque sports game of all things. <laughs> I really suck all the emotion out of these uh, messages. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's, actually, there's actually an exclamation mark on the end of that sentence, <laughs> which I just kind of stripped out. Much like Synapse, the action is cut into bite B-Y-T-E, sized chunks where the players plot out a sequence of moves for their team, then watch the action play out in glorious cinematics. The genius of the game lies in the simultaneous nature of planning, with you trying to constantly second-guess your opponent with a small set of moves in an almost chess-like manner, making it more a game of wits than of skill. Mm. Um, There's nothing more satisfying than the crunch of one of your robots taking out your adversary for a last-minute turnover and winning you the game. A special mention has to go to the exceptional soundtrack, which injects the world with the very essence of, all capital letters, FUTURE SPORTS. (laughs) (laughs) That is what you want. (laughs) Crispy burnt regards from the lava, Sam Standen. Well, that's a good good message. Um, I like the message. Yeah, not to be confused with the uh, popular... Musical Disney thing. Unless unless by the year 3000, there have been so many Frozen sequels <laughs> that one is now called Frozen hyphen. Or a colon, surely. Colon. Because you've, you, after Frozen 7 or 8, like they had to, you know, they thought less, you know, 9. They had the silly. gritty reboot Frozen yeah. Cortex. <laughs> yeah, Frozen Cortex, yeah. I think, I mean, I haven't, I haven't played it, but um, Sam's done such a good job selling it that I'm, yeah, I'm almost just putting it automatically in based on his uh i'm gonna say no just because i don't know i just feel i feel a a tide of negativity for no good reason don't take it personally yeah i i I must admit i i thought uh the the guy sold it so well that i kind of i kind of want to play it so part of me wants to preserve it just to see i and if he knew what he was talking about really well it's got it's it's in then by the sounds of it Mm. Well, look at us. A little rest has um, made us all generous and loving. I know. Well, I, just, I think everyone's just proposed really good games. I'm well, sure one of that. us will want to put in a stinker. All right, so yeah, one more. we got one more listener nomination then. See if this one uh, breaks the, uh, the cycle. Um, Death Row on Xbox from Chris Pengilly. A very violent f- um, future sport. Uh, kind of like um, sort of, if you imagine, I don't know, I guess it's a bit like... Quidditch in the future, 
you got a, you got a puck, a bit like kind of air hockey, or I don't know, something with a puck. Hockey. <laughs> I can finally make my way back to a real sport with a puck. Hockey. It's like hockey, um, but you're. Uh, it's all set in a kind of dystopian, or I guess a kind of dystopian future. It's very much 1990s um, 3D models. You know, mm. very smooth, ugly faces and. Um, Lots of angry voice acting. Bit clunky. Bit clunky, Bit perhaps. Clunky, yeah. You played this one, Matthew? Uh, I haven't. No, I, I must admit, this is this the first time I'm encountering it. Um, I'm ashamed to say, as the editor of Official Xbox magazine, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not aware of Death Row. Though um, hmm. so it sounds a bit like Speedball, which we haven't put in. So do you really think the last of humanity was floating along in space they want something called Death Row <laughs> on board with them. Because isn't it going to make you think, like, hmm, we've got to, like, this is a name. We've got to move on at some point. You know, we can't, we can't shudder at just the very mention of death um, forever, you know. I think we've got enough medicine and supplies to live forever, haven't we, on the, uh, on the space site? We've got we... enough cola bottles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, there's an absolutely infinite supply of those, uh, those bad boys. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's pure sugar. So we can keep going on that for. I think we're gonna. I don't think that's how the body works. <laughs> you just keep putting in energy, and you keep getting energy. That's out. Pu- that's pure sugar. So we can keep going. Oh yeah. <laughs> just we just like the doctors. Say. Yeah, we got a bit of a shortage of medical expertise. It turns out on the uh, on the space lot. I knew we shouldn't have thrown all the doctors in the lava. <laughs> <laughs> just because they wouldn't approve our cola bottle diet. <laughs> yeah. Death Row. I'm, I'm saying no. I'm going to put mm. you on the spot. I'm saying no to yeah, Death Row. Yeah, I'm Get saying out. no. So Sorry about that, Chris. You're apologising to a dead man. <laughs> yeah. So Death Row um, is sinking into the lava as we speak. Or resting on its rock-like surface. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a bit embarrassing that we've checked all these games out and they're all just lying there uh, <laughs> forlornly on this, on this rock. Turns out they're yeah. not sinking at all. It's the plastic um, is softening yeah. slightly. That's it. People are like daring each other to go and fetch them. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you, the room is still sitting there unclaimed. <laughs> Come on, guys! <laughs> oh no, we like the room now, having met the developer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, should we nominate some games for the old space arc? Yeah, let's, let's do that. that. We're yeah. legally obliged to do so. Um, Matthew, what you got? Yeah. So. I would like to nominate, it's quite an odd one, and maybe the, it's like, maybe it's not a sport, we'll see. Uh, I'd like to nominate the minigame Islands from uh, Game & Wario. Islands is a bit like, it's a bit like a kind of a combination of uh, bowls mm-hmm. and a catapult and darts. Right. Um in yeah. that you have a, a kind of a big platform, which is like a big target, and you're flinging these characters called Fronks onto the target from a catapult. Frogs? Um, fronks. Oh, okay. Um, and you throw them onto the target, and then, but you throw them at like a kind of a handful at a time, like five at a time, mm-hmm. uh, and you get the points for where they end up sitting on the target. Wait a minute, this yeah. is, um, isn't this like that game? You play with those metal things at school in the 1940s. Um, Jacks? Yeah. 
No. No. Okay. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) So, but then obviously other people are also throwing, also flinging their handfuls of things on there and they can knock you off your target. So that's why it's a bit like bowls. You're trying to get get it as close to the Mm. centre as possible, but people are trying to knock yours away. Right. But the the, the brilliant twist is that it's called islands because the target uh, floats on the sea. Mm -hmm. And where you land, it begins to like change the weight and it begins to tilt. So as well as just knocking people out, like if you deliberately kind of put them all on one side, it would tilt and then they all go screaming into the sea. (laughs) And it's just, so it's a really malicious game of like, how can, how many can I leave on of my own while kind of screwing over the other people? And it's just that sort of physics, the way it kind of tilts at the end of every round and everything just starts going, and they're like, ah, you know, screaming. But like, it's also got the some completely arbitrary things. So then remember there's <laughs> there's there's one area which is worth like crazy points. It's like a mm. hundred points. And if you know, if you ever land anything in there, it's really rare. Mm. And every once in a while this <laughs> at the end of a round, this this random seagull will fly past yeah. and just grab one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but like I'm pretty sure it's kind of gamed so that it'll always take like the most precious piece on the board, just to kind of scream Oh, Nintendo, over. why do you always have to do that? Oh. So that's the thing. Like, it's it's full of all these, like, arbitrary unfairness that Nintendo has, but it's mm. kind of so chaotic yeah. that it kind of goes past beyond, Are you... oh, it's slightly broken, all the way back round to, oh, it's just, just go with it. Have these characters got, have these characters got eyes and, and faces and things? Yeah, they're like little, like, they look a bit like SpongeBob SquarePants. Mm, okay. They're actually you'd recognise them. They're in the WarioWare mini games. Like there's the one where the big shoes trying to crush them and you move him left and right. He's like a little yellow guy. Oh oh I know, yeah. What with a spiky haircut? Yeah, uh, yeah, they got spiky right, hair. He's right, like he's like spun he's like sponge if SpongeBob SquarePants and Bart Simpson had a kid. <laughs> That's the best be, description I could possibly from imagine. WarioWare. How much how much so, um how much screaming do they do when they topple into the... Quite a lot, because you've got to remember, the more they're on there, they're all screaming at the same time. <laughs> so, like, the screaming just gets, like, more intense as the game goes on. Yeah, it's in. I'm going to... I'm sorry I'm sorry to be hardline. I'm going to say no because it's not a complete game. This upsets Ooh. me. <laughs> well, I'm going to say yes, just to annoy Mark. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, oh, so it's in. Oh, you and you guys and your rule breaking ways. We're never gonna make this space art work. <laughs> um <laughs> All right, Alan. Okay. Hit us. Alright, this is gonna follow on very nicely from Islands, because it's Monkey Targets. Which Yeah two thousand and one on the GameCube and uh also in Super Monkey Ball Two, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the original rendition of it. This is essentially the same thing. So you are, for the uninitiated, a monkey in a ball. And you mm. roll down a big sort of ski jump type thing, mm-hmm. and you whiz off the end. Then the ball in which you reside opens up like to a, form a pair yeah. of wings, like a butterfly. No, like a butterfly, not like a butterfly, like a ladybird. Later, oh. I I knew exactly what you meant, yeah. and I heard <laughs> you heard ladybird. The word. I heard ladybird. So yeah, you look like a little monkey ladybird, uh, not a lady monkey bird, and you can <laughs> glide at that point to land on a little platform in the sea, which is where the similarity to uh, islands comes in. Uh, However, you're taking it in turns, and it's got a kind of like pilot wingsy thing going on where you're you're gliding around and you can sort of 
pick up bananas on the way, mm. um, which gets you points and stuff. And then you can plonk down if you get it exactly in the right spot on the platform. There's different platforms you can land on. If you get it on the sweet spot very quickly and you've picked up all the bananas, then you'll get a very high score for it. And yes. you just take it in turns doing that, essentially. Um, and the different monkeys have different aerodynamic qualities, as I recall. So, like, what it has as a mini game is a surprising amount of depth. This is a game you really can keep coming back to again and again and again. So no, you've you've made you've made the same mistake as Matthew in choosing a admittedly a extremely good mini game and one that I've played a lot and loved. You're saying no to Monkey Target. I just had to censor myself because I was going to say a bad word there. You know what we should do, Alan? We should right. get greener. We should put him in a giant plastic ball. <laughs> yes. and we should throw him in the lava. And see how far he gets. Yeah. See if that's not a sufficiently engaging game for you. You'd land on a nest of, of rejected games <laughs> yeah. and be safe knowing your luck. Yeah. I'm just going to go, yes, let's let it in. Greener be damned. <laughs> Monkey Target is a corking game. I mean, yeah, get a few people around for a bit of that. Uh, you cannot go wrong. Oh, man, like... The laughs we'll have. Okay, can I can I do mine now, having got everyone on side with Please the, do. The, and the, please don't feel any pressure about the way you have behaved in the last ten minutes. <laughs> don't worry about that. Oh, sorry. So um <laughs> I'm going for Stunt Car Racer, which I guess counts as a futuristic uh, a futuristic uh, On the a, Amiga, you mean? Yeah, on the Amiga, Amiga yeah. Uh yeah. which I think counts as a fantasy motorsport motorsport. Mm. So it, if you haven't played it, it's by Jeff Crammond, who program who created uh, F1 games, a load of really good F1 games, most famously, mm. and a few other quirky little old games. So you're in a kind of, I, uh, what is it? A kind of it's almost like a drag racer type thing, isn't it? Yeah, but you can steer very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's a better description. And but you're not on a you're, you're not on a realistic track. You're on this kind of undulating. 3d uh roller coaster uh essentially um and it's really really hard you have to make these kind of big jumps and it's incre- on on the Ami- on the amiga it was incredibly jerky the frame rate was frame rate was very low because i guess it was pushing the amiga to its limit with this full mm. 3d um sort of track um, it looked incredible it looked really you know, incredible. the physics what it was doing yeah it was that's exactly right it was um it, it was there was a lot going on in terms of the the steering and the bouncing and um you know you had to you, you couldn't just power around pressing accelerate you know you had to take things quite carefully but build take corners quite carefully but then build up enough speed to make a jump and undulating bits of track would bounce you around and bounce you off the track and the track was was raised up really high um not for no apparent reason. So if you fell off, you fell to your death, uh, which, seemed, which seemed quite That's harsh. That's quite a good reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those uh, violent future sports. Um, mm. Playing it now is almost impossible because we're we're just not used to those frame rates anymore. It's so unresponsive and so hard. You're literally talking about one frame every quarter of a second, I reckon. Um, <laughs> it, it's crazy. So mm. it, it's tough, but uh, really tough. Um, but... So I nervously present Stunt Car Racer to the uh, to my friends to my very good friends on the uh, on this games committee. 
the amazing fantasy sport of driving a car quickly round in a circle. It's, it is in a strange, surrealistic landscape. Like Mario Golf. <laughs> yeah, but that's a real... <laughs> Oh. I'm preparing to hoist you on your own petard here. Yeah? I'm confused now. <laughs> no, I think, I, yeah, I knew this was going to be uh, possibly steering off the edge of the, uh, steering into the, steering into the abyss, steering into the abyss. That's nice. Into, into the lava, in fact, <laughs> yeah. potentially. Well, my verdict is, it is, sounds too much like a real sport. Well, Sorry, Greener, but oh. I admire your pluck, and it is a great game, but not on this occasion. Sorry, Jeff. I tried. Did. Oh, well, goodbye, Stunt Car. I mean, you do spend 90% of your time in Stunt Car races sailing off the edge of the track into <laughs> the abyss, so it's absolutely appropriate that the game is now doing the same. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's us. Well, thanks for... that's You know, that was a bunch of really, really good nominations, actually, from the outside world, uh, outside, outside the window. So thanks to everyone for that. So you've also got the opportunity to make nominations uh, for next episode's Space Arc. Mm-hmm. We'll let you know how to do that and what the, uh, what the genre is. And we'll let you know at the end of the podcast. Yes. But not until you've had this. Listeners, I found a Bub plush from Bubble Bobble, and I bought that plush. Um, yeah, that was a that was a nice little purchase from the Gamescom shop. I also bought another uh, bought a Pac-Man uh, plush as well to join the two that I already have. It's an addiction. What can I say? Um, so welcome back. Welcome to the last of my little uh, Gamescom reports. I hope you've been enjoying them. Um, I didn't get to play any of those EA games that uh, I was hoping to try. Not even Unravel, which was very popular. So much love for that game. So many people just watching the monitors and grinning. That game is a real, uh, a little cutie of a game. And I was staring with love in my eyes, but unfortunately I didn't get to play it. So uh, hmm, maybe next game's come when it will already have been out for probably eight months. Um, I did go back, get to uh, go back to Nintendo though and play a couple of the games there. So I got to play uh, Star Fox. That's a that's a solid Star Fox game actually. Um, it looks a lot better than it did on the uh, E3 presentation. Um, is it a remake? It's It's got all the same sort of lines from the original Star Fox, like Peppy's going, hey, you, you, you're getting more like your father every day, in his accent, which I can't do. Um, you're on Corneria, uh, you know, very similar. You know, those robots that are kind of chucking girders around, they're, they're back, all the little things that were driving along the road, whatever the heck they were. So, yeah, look... It's very, very, uh, very similar stuff going on. So, yeah, good fun. Um, I wasn't very good at controlling it. It takes a little bit of getting used to um, moving with the stick on the gamepad and then aiming with the uh, tilt on the gamepad. Um, so, yeah, it, it takes a while to, to get that down. Um, but uh, So, yeah, I was trying to destroy these spiders on a tower and just making a complete mess of it in front of, uh, no doubt, people who are uh, probably ten times better than me. I've forgotten how to play Star Fox. Shocker. Uh but yeah, I'm really looking forward to that now, actually, after it's kind of that sort of slightly dismal um, video that Nintendo showed at E3. Uh, and I played a bit of Mario Maker, which is the first time I've, I've played that. Oh, that's a whole lot of fun. I mean, I was literally just someone had left, I guess, their level. Um, and I was just kind of like fiddling around with it and playing with it. Um, playing with, you know, dropping platforms where you die and... and you know, inventing a new path for yourself every time you die, which gives you an idea for some new cool thing you can do, which then you die again, and then you invent another path, and then uh, 
it's a really yeah very interesting unique way of playing a game kind of uh, fiddling with it every time you uh, you mess up um, and yeah I started playing the 10 level challenge they've got which I guess they randomised the levels so the first level I got was like Magic Cooper Mayhem Magic Cooper Mania that's like the hardest Mario level I'd ever seen they were like Magic Cooper's coming out of left and right every corner Mar- Magic Cooper Magic flying all over the screen uh, Cooper's Cooper, it's just bonkers uh, and I did manage to finish it. It was like the, the end of the level was kind of hidden in, in, in some blocks at the end. Uh, so, yeah, that was... Uh, I really enjoyed Mario Maker. I think it's going uh, to be all kinds of uh, fun. Um, and then just to finish up, I played that uh, new Tearaway on PS4. Tearaway Unfolded, I think. Um, oh, what a lovely little game that is. I, played, I did play a little bit on uh, PS Vita, and I thought that was very magical and lovely as well. A bit wonderful use of the, the, the little camera um, and the, uh, the, the uh, little touch pad on the back. So they brought a lot of the same um, stuff to PS4. It's just got such a lovely look. Like, there's been so many games that, um, you know, the conceit is everything's made of paper. But uh, they've, it's amazing how many games get it wrong and it, and it all falls a bit flat. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, but this... Uh, they do some things like the um, the frame rate is very low on uh, the little animals that are walking around and made of paper, which makes it m- makes it seem much more that they're actually hand animated. Uh, you know, as though they, you know, the animator's only done one frame every sort of quarter of a second. Um, so it just looks really, really. It's got such a lovely feel to it. That world and really good use of uh, PS4's light bar to. Um, uh, you can kind of throw objects out of the screen to you and then direct them back with the light bar and then throw them back into the screen. I designed a new sort of coat for a moose or a deer or something and I didn't realise it was going to use the picture that it was that I was, it was taking of me so it ended up with my face all over, all over it. Um, it's just lovely. You, you walk over, um, there's lots of little sort of envelopes and little flaps of paper on the ground as you walk and they all sort of fold as you go and then sometimes a little bit of paper is just peeling up at the corner um, and it kind of just folds down very gently as you walk over it. Um, oh, it's just it's just bursting with character, that. Um, yeah, I really fell in love with that when I, when I was playing it. I think it's out in, what, two or three weeks, so... Yeah, it's a recommend. Thumbs up. And yeah... That's been that's been my Gamescom. I think I've told you guys everything that I've seen. So uh, yeah, it's been fun. So now everything's just shutting down for the evening. Uh, so I'm going to head off. Uh, it's been lovely spending Gamescom with you guys. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, see you back on the main podcast in a second, I guess. See you later. Bye. Drop and roll. Drop and roll. That's a way to land on a platform without um, injuring yourself. Um, Isn't that also how you put yourself out when you're on fire? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So if, if it's a flaming platform, then you achieve both things uh, all at, all at once. Well, that's good. <laughs> so that's handy. Um, so yes, we're all, um, all our legs are unbroken. And we are at the very end of episode 22 of the Rotating Platform. I never thought we'd make it. I hope everyone's enjoyed my Gamescom reports. Um, I thought they were brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> You'll regret saying that when you hear what <laughs> what I was saying. Um, do send us your picks for next episode's Space Arc, which is going to be political games. 
yeah, see how you get on. See how you interpret that, my friends. Yeah, we'll be interested to see what what pops into your head um, and what you would want to what 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 your favourite political game is that you would like to preserve from the lava of the year three thousand. Um, so yeah, let us know what you got. Um, and here's how to nominate your space art game. We are on Twitter at, with the handle at rotating podcast. Uh, we are emailable trp at the rotating platform.com. Our website is the rotating platform.com where you can uh, leave a comment. And uh, what's the fourth one? Facebook. The Facebook. Facebook.com slash rotating platform. Correct. So, yeah, we re- yeah, very intrigued to hear about your political games. And, yeah, we hope you've enjoyed the episode. And uh, we will be back, hopefully not in a month and a half, uh, like this time. We will be back um, in a couple of weeks, I hope, with another episode of this very podcast. Until then, listeners, goodbye. Bye. Bye. See you all.